At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. I would play near the surface. Uh, at some atmospheric pressure that would be similar to what we can survive, but then you'd be up in the air. There would be a gravitational pull, but there wouldn't be anything to stand on. So Quidditch would indeed be an ideal thing to play there, but you'd have to have some gas masks on because it smells a lot like methane and ammonia out there. So uh, mm, sign me up. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Sports Edition, and we're going to do a grab bag today. Love me some grab bag. And of course, I got my co host, Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey, 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 Neil. What's happening? All right. All right. And Gary. Gary, how you feeling, man? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Gary O'Reilly, former photographer pro. And who do we have to help us out with grab bag? A you returning know, champion. A returning champion. Our go-to geek-in-chief, Professor Dr. Charles Liu. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd's The crowd goes wild. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Gary. Hi, Neil. What a pleasure. I am a total card-carrying geek, but in the same room with Charles, I am a rank amateur. And so oh, there, there you, you have it. You are too modest, sir. Damn. Too modest. Yes, it's such yes. a pleasure to be here with you all and have a great time, as yes, always. It's a grab football. bag. We don't know where these are coming from or where they're going, but they are questions from our Patreon supporters, and anything and everything goes. So, Gary, why don't we lead off with you? You got questions for us? I certainly have, and they're all sourced from our Patreon patrons, so thank you very much. Uh, stick with us, because we might well be asking your questions throughout the show. Um, first up, Christopher Fowler. He says, greetings to the good doctors, Lord Nice, and me. Uh, interesting. Oh, we're going straight for sci-fi. In Star Trek, The Next Generation, there was at Woo! least one episode with a game called Parisi Squares. Am I pronouncing Correct. it? Correct. Yes. Thank you. Right. Yes. yes. On, okay. On StarTrek.com, it describes the sport as one played by opposing teams of four wearing padded uniforms and using an ion mallet. Yes. What kind of sport is this, and could it be oh. possible to actually achieve technology, technological advancements to allow an ion mallet? Just to be clear, I'm already out-geeked because I didn't see the show. <laughs> I don't know anything that you just said in that question, and Charles is right all on top of it. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Precy Squares is a fascinating game that no one knows how to play because it has never been shown on screen, oh. actually. So it first was mentioned in the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation it, when the Binar episode, you guys remember that one? 11001001, and they were fixing the Enterprise, and so the crew had time to take it easy. And so four members of the crew uh, went to go play Parisi Squares with the team of the people who were working down at the space station to fix the Enterprise. Uh, they 
seemed to be carrying suitcases, presumably containing the ion mallets. And they were kind of padded like lacrosse players, but they had like shorts on and stuff like that. So since then, we really have no idea how it's been played, but it's been mentioned over and over again. And actually, it doesn't sound like the rules have stayed roughly the same. It started like a this in this episode, like a friendly matchup where like maybe four guys and four other guys would come together and they would play each other and like maybe whack some sort of ball back and forth with some sort of a mallet, like croquet or something like mm. that, right? But then it got darker. Like there were riots involved. People could get hurt. Uh, Riker, I think at some point, got like so hurt in Parisi Squares that, that the doctor warned uh, Dr. Crusher at that point, right? Said, you know, be careful because next time you're going to break your neck and then I won't be able to fix that so easily. And then um, in Star Trek Voyager, uh, the doctor, the emergency medical hologram, had created a temporary holographic sort of fake family. And his fake daughter, holographic daughter, played Parisi Squares yeah. and died. Ooh. Died. And, and they couldn't even fix her with all of the medical technology on Voyager, supposedly, according to this uh, holographic thing. I mean, uh, that's wait, pretty wait, scary. The hologram died. Yeah, yeah. In the in the fictitious story of the doctor, why can't you just fix the hologram? I, yeah. I don't get it. That so actually, the episode is pretty cool. You got to watch it. It's kind of cool the way what they sort of describe the difference. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't watch seven different generations of Star Trek to piece together this story. It's all right. I'm sorry. It, it, it's I'm, all I, I don't streaming. Have the geek credentials. It's all streaming. You can get to it. It's not too late. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, I think Parisi Squares is something like hockey something like hockey but i really don't know what because unfortunately it's never been shown on screen i would like to think that it's kind of like the game triad which was played on the battlestar galactica the original series back in 1978-79 that was a cool game but we saw people playing triad mm. on that show yeah. we never saw people playing parisi squares on but Star tell Trek. me about this ion mallet what yeah, is I was, yeah yeah and what would be what would be the uh benefit of having an ion mallet well you know how mjolnir thor's hammer is like a serious mallet right mm -hmm. uh so i imagine that the ion mallet was like an energy version of mjolnir's hammer and what was happening is that this big fat energy ball of some kind is zipping around the court right and you got to run uphill downhill round back and forth to get it and the only way you can get it is to whack it with the mallet uh kind of like the bludgers in Quidditch. Uh, Quidditch, right. right? Yeah, so you got the big things whacking the ball back and forth because you don't want to get hit by one of those big balls coming at you. Right. That's my guess. And because okay. they're played on spaceships as well as in stadiums, they got to make the mallets small enough that you can carry them around. That's just like big like hockey sticks or lacrosse sticks. So the ion allows mm. you to change their size and their effect areas without having to make a very large piece or of metal or wood. Or... Oh, wow. interesting. Interesting. Okay. That's my guess. Okay, so you know how much Mjolnir weighs for Thor? Oh, now, you figured this out once, didn't you, Neil? I did, but but I got it wrong because I got oh, out no. of heat. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, tell us. Yeah, I, I calculated uh, because they said, this has nothing to do with that game or the person's question, but you did mention Mjolnir <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of you, Thor's You got to go with it. All right. so Take I, it where it goes, Neil. I did calculate it, and they in, in the Thor film, they said it was forged um, uh, in the heart of a dying star. And I said, well, we're astrophysicists. We, we, we deal in dying stars. So I got this. So you can, get a, you can make a, mal, a, a hammer out of, out of white dwarf material, but why stop there? You make Neutrons. it out of a neutron star. So That's I right. did this. And, you, and you, I got the volume of Mjolnir because I have a replica of it. Uh, and so once you get the volume and you get the density, you get the total mass. And it has the mass equivalent a herd of 300 million elephants. Oh, that's all? Okay. okay. So that's why the horse couldn't even pick it up. Who's actually measured a herd? Of <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, just hold on. So that's why the Hulk tried to pick it up, and he couldn't. Okay. okay. So I put this out there proudly. Yeah. And then it was like, you're wrong, Dr. Tyson. <laughs> a Mjolnir actually weighs. This is, the, this is an interesting usage of the word actually about a completely fictitious... Object. <laughs> um, so apparently, Marvel issued a Thor trading card in 1991 that reported the precise weight of Thor's hammer as 42.3 pounds. 
There now, you go. I think and my answer is way better than that one, even <laughs> though it's wrong. Okay. That must be a commemorative 42.3 pounds because uh, it's not quite the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And I, I, I'd have, I'd have, Fan, I had a fan in the audience. This fan said, Dr. Tyson, on that card, they didn't say which planet it weighed that much on. I said yes. Oh, God. That was good. They were helping me out. Wow. It felt bad for me. But That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. It was kind of cool. That's a really cool observation. So that means mm -hmm. it's all magical. I mean, it's it's magical. It's not a literal weight. It's a, it's a, he really needs the power of, of, of honesty and integrity to lift right. it. Yeah. Right. Worthiness. Worthiness. Worthy, excuse actually. me. Worthy is the word. Right. Mm -hmm. There was okay. actually a period of time, a show, a, a, a comic book series called The Unworthy Thor, where for oh. a moment there, he could not pick up the hammer because he was briefly unworthy. I suck so bad. <laughs> That's how they played it, Chuck. That's exactly <laughs> how they played it. Uh, let's keep going. I love that question. Let's get All some right, more. Go. All right. You want to go, Chuck? No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Dale Bloomfield, right? Uh, Dale's been quite busy with the questions, but we'll start with this one. If we were able to high jump, have a high jump event on the moon, what height do you think people could get to? And also, because he's stuck in track and field, obviously, how big a field would we need if we had javelin on the moon Ooh. as well? Uh, Chuck, this part's for you, Chuck Nice. Chuck, if you don't read this question out, then the Eagles won't make the playoffs this year. <laughs> oh, well, th thank God for you, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> thank God for you helping my eagles out. There you go. <laughs> well, there's no atmosphere, but something can go through the air on the moon if you put in a force into it. Now, the surface of the moon has a gravitational acceleration about one-sixth that of here on Earth. Mm -hmm. So you could imagine, basically, you're going to be up in the air six times longer. longer. Yeah. And so whatever you can add in terms of your ability to jump. So right now, the world record for a high jump is about eight feet. Yeah. Right. So if you jump eight feet now, but that's all the time you have in the air, multiply that by six, and that's the minimum amount of gain you would have. So 48 feet. 48 feet. Wow. But because it's, yeah, because it's an acceleration, it is actually a quadratic term in the distance traveled. So you can make a quick calculation, you know, VOT plus one half AT squared, and you may wind up with higher depending on how much push you get off the ground with your muscles. Okay, Charles, so. I think you're wrong in one part of that calculation. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Here we go. Uh -oh. Astrophysicist <laughs> slap down. <laughs> Charles, I'll meet go. you in the octagon. <laughs> okay, here's Play some priestly squares. Okay. So, Charles, you would calculate the high jump by going from this person's center of mass. And let's say the jumper is seven feet. I think they're pretty tall, but let's just get use round numbers. So, their center mass is, let's say, halfway up. So, they're only going four and a half feet above their center of mass to clear the bar. Okay. Okay. So, okay. now you take that four and a half feet, multiply that by six, and then you get uh, 24, five, sure. six, seven. You get, so, they'll jump 27, 28 feet. Yeah rather than the 48. So I think that's how you need to do the calculation, I'm pretty sure. That may well be true. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. The other thing here is we, we've seen the Fosby flop as the go-to technique to get a world record here on Earth. Do we think that that technique, which is almost a vertical takeoff, could apply to that technique going that high on the moon with a jump? Oh, that's a great question. Because would you and then have to have a running and then try and kind of almost like fly over the bar? Right. It almost becomes like a pole vault, right? The, mm. the human body is mm. going at such high altitudes because pole vault is like 20 feet-ish for yeah. a world record. Right. Like we, clearly, whether it's your 30-ish feet or my 40-ish feet, it's still up at such a high level that the human body's reaction or position may have to be changed to be optimally good. That's a great point. An interesting sir. point. So, yeah. Charles, what you're saying is, I can twist my body, go backwards over the bar in the short time that I'm airborne. Correct. If I'm airborne six times longer, now, I... I, can, I might be able to optimize for something else. Yeah. Or, just a minute now. Here we go. Their forward... Oh, 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 Charles, Charles. Their forward motion is tuned so that they leave the ground such that they're at their highest point by still moving forward. 
right? That's right. But that's, that's pretty right. close to the bar because they're not, right. how long are they airborne? But if you're airborne six times longer, you're going to have to leave the ground sooner. Yeah. So you, so the bar is yeah. over like on one side of the room. You're on the other side of the room. And when you land, you're all the way over there as opposed to inches away. Or just opposed to inches off. away. Exactly. Yeah. So all right. it's a much more of a parabolic arc. Think about, think about the floor routine in gymnastics where they do all the tumbles and then all of a sudden a gymnast will just pop and produce a double somersault and then land on their feet, right? What if you took that kind of technique towards clearing a bar for a jump on the moon? Because you well, get the reason serious why they're vertical able, loose. They're able to do that. The floor though, is sprung. I, I agree. The floor, right. It's because That's the right. floor is helping them to, is right, returning right, right. energy to them to do that. But then again, less gravity. You would have to do that Chuck same thing. talking about the physics of return no, energy. No, it's right. But you see, then. <laughs> we got to get an honorary degree for Chuck. So we get. Chuck, we, Chuck we knows his physics. Of course guys. he, Chuck Chuck he does. Physics. Then Absolutely. you're balancing that sprung floor and return of energy against the reduced gravity on the moon. Correct. Yeah, mm. so it's very interesting. And of course, none of us have taken yet into account the fact that if you're actually on the moon, you're not just launching yourself up into the air, you're launching your entire spacesuit. So you've got a lot more mass to work on unless you're sealed indoors in a habitat or environment. Mm. So maybe three or four years from now, when we actually have a moon base with human beings living inside some building, we'll find out exactly the answer to this question. Nice. Experimentally. Cool, cool. Yeah. Guys, we got to take a quick break. Okay. okay. Uh, this is Star Talk Cosmic Queries Grab Bag Edition with our geek-in-chief, Charles Lee. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. We're back. Star Talk. Cosmic Query Sports Edition. I got our geek in chief, Charles Liu. Charles, you are professor of astronomy and physics at... Uh, City University, Staten Island. Did I get that correct? That is absolutely right. All right. So who's who's next on the question line there? All right. We got uh, Jay Hunter. Mm. Uh, these are Patreon exclusives that we'll move into for those of you who support us through Patreon. And by support, I mean give us money. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Jay Hunter says, uh, what up, Chuck, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Lou, and Gary? 
what would playing soccer Ooh. look like on our neighboring planets? What, what sports would be possible to play on Jupiter and Saturn? Mm. Well, Gary, first of all, Gary, what, what, what planet would you like to play soccer on? Yeah, let's ask had. him that. This one. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, we're going to change the game completely if we take it off world because if we go to a planet where there is less gravity, do we need a heavier ball? If we have a heavier ball, can we actually kick it? Are we going to be, if we use the similar ball, we can kick it forever. So the field's going to be three miles by two. Um, <laughs> and if the air density is much lower, then you're not going to get your Magnus effect. Nope. To get, to get all those fancy kicks. So there's a lot of things going against it. It might, it would need to be something close to the gravity and atmosphere that we have here on Earth. For it to say, for it to, to look like soccer. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Well, so, hey, you well, know what? If it were on a planet with lighter uh, gravity, Gary, don't you think that maybe we could increase the size of the field and increase the number of players per side? That, that would that work. That would make it very simple. That would work. It's just the fact that uh, at some point you're going to have to cover distance. Mm. as an athlete, and you are having to cover more distance. So, you know, maybe you could supplement that by having more players on the field at the same time. Right, right. Or you, you actually have co-teams. So the field is big enough where one team takes one-third of one half, the, I mean, one half of one half, the other team takes a quarter, mm. and then they're not allowed to go into the other zones. Oh, that would be, so be perfect. It's almost like two games being played at the same time, but they don't get wow. to inter intermingle. Okay. That sounds like wow. a cacophony, but still. Yeah, it, <laughs> you know what it sounds like? It, it sounds like whatever is going on, on, whatever the circumstances of the planet, the atmosphere, the gravity, and everything, we should just invent new sports tuned for that planet. Absolutely. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Now, that's a good idea. See, what do you think totally of that? Forget trying to take Earth's sports. Rather than port Earth sports there, just mm. invent a brand new thing. Why not? Yeah. Hence, Parisi squares. Or, you know, if we could actually fly on brooms, we'd invent Quidditch. Quidditch. Right. Or, or you we have kind of three-dimensional so three basketball if, you, if you're able to float or leap or do sorts of things. So you've got hoops mm -hmm. in different, you know, in a tube and they're on different edge surfaces. So, so there's all sorts of things you could invent and play with. I mean, we invented basketball, football, soccer, tennis, golf, et cetera, et cetera. We can invent some new ones. So, Charles, just remind us that about, I mean, Jupiter, Jupiter and Saturn are gaseous. Yeah, so, what, right. how do you get around Jupiter that? Jupiter and Saturn are gas giant planets, mm. which means that their atmospheres take up a huge percentage of their mass. The surface down at the bottom of, for example, Jupiter, this massive thing, it's actually liquid. Ooh. It's liquid hydrogen, metallic. So, it's solid, but it's also liquid metallic, and it's kind of weird. So playing on Jupiter or Saturn would be really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you'd all be crushed by the atmospheric pressure long before we even got down to the surface, be it solid or liquid or metallic or rocky or stone or whatever. It'd be like, it'd be like trying to play at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that's right. You're right. exactly right, Chuck. So, so I would play near the surface. I would play near the surface uh, at some atmospheric pressure that would be similar to what we can survive. But then you'd be up in the air. There would be a gravitational pull but there wouldn't be anything to stand on. So Quidditch would indeed be an ideal thing to play there. But you'd have to have some gas masks on because it smells a lot like methane and ammonia out there. So, uh, mm. All right, so we, we've, we've, already had, we've, we've already had a sporting event off-world, haven't we? Didn't one of the... You mean golf on the moon? Yes. So yes. does that, that lead us to, rather than competing against each other with atmospherics that don't work for the human body, is it not now... Uh, a kind of projectile sport that we enter into like golf. It might be. It might be. I'll tell you what sport I would like to play in space. Just try it a little bit mm. and see what happens. Cornhole. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. If right. you toss the thing the wrong direction, it misses by a mile and it keeps going forever. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> it becomes almost like archery with a beanbag. Oh, archery is even is good too. Cool, yeah, cool. except that if you miss and you hit someone's spacesuit, that's not a very nice day. Yeah, yeah but how, the space how far away would you want the target to be if it were archery on a planet or a, on a moon with less dense atmosphere, less gravity? What would you do? Would you like? I mean, we've Earth. had yeah, 
I'm putting a target keep... on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, let's see how good the... you really are, Katniss. That's Hunger Games right there. Okay, so um, I would say actually you don't move it that far because archery has the arrow moving so fast that gravity only affects the overall flight by a few inches or a few feet. Good point. So what you still want sort of your eye, hand. You're not lobbing arrows on an arc. You're just aiming straight now instead of lobbing. So there's no no parabolic trajectory. There is, is but it's a very flat parabola. So that's what that is. Right. So I wouldn't change the distance that much, but maybe the target size. Yeah. Okay. That's plus consider if you did want to change the distance, it becomes much harder to be accurate because the tiny angle Mm -hmm. off from the launched arrow that that angle just gets wider and wider as you get out there and you'll start missing targets completely. So what's yeah. what's the use if it's easy? <laughs> but what's the use if it's impossible? There's the other side. That's the other soccer, side of the right, argument. Gary? Absolutely. Yes, I mean, it is. It is. It, it's, 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 it's that balance, which is when sports are balanced like that, it's what makes them the great thing they are. When, you know, it's impossible to achieve or just too simple to achieve, then it doesn't hold that greatness. Correct. We see with some Correct. of the sports. And just quickly, uh, we dangled one of the questions, how far would a javelin go? Yeah. And we th- we're thinking that would go six times farther on the moon. Is that right? Yeah. Charles? I think that's right. I yeah. would agree with that statement. So yeah. take the world record times it by six and if for the javelin. Uh, it's about a hundred. I mean, and, and put an unsuspecting astronaut on the other end <laughs> of the speed. Wait, 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 wait. There's a technicality here because in our lifetime, they added an, an, an atmospheric drag element mm-hmm. on the tail of the javelin. So they can keep it in the stadium. Yeah, they and they actually so, wait because the javelins themselves are weighted, and they can maneuver the position of the weight within the shaft of the javelin. And they needed to bring it down because what they found was, um, I can't remember his name. Um, oh no, I want. I think it was Hungarian. He was basically throwing it onto the track at the far end of the arena. Now yeah. that's great as long as not people running on it. <laughs> right, right. So they had to they had to redesign the javelins so as they didn't fly as far because they were throwing over a hundred meters. Right, right. What I'm saying isn't that an isn't that an aerodynamic drag that they put on it? Because if it is, then on the moon you're not going to have the aerodynamic drag. You just simply need a bigger boat. Mm. Right, that's right. But if you increase the mass, then you reduce the velocity. Just to compensate, the javelin okay. thrower can make. Yes, you, right? you will. Because okay, of just to keep impulse. it in the stadium. All right. right. Okay, there you go. So basically, it goes from javelins to uh, small trees. We have, <laughs> we're throwing small trees today, people. <laughs> instead of instead of saying to an athlete, "Keep it in the stadium," you're saying, "Just keep it on the planet." Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. And to Charles's earlier point, it, depending on the gravity of where you are, if you did this on a comet or on an asteroid, there there are things we throw or hit. That would actually go into orbit and would never land. So you have to you have to check your escape velocities mm. for what and what the sport is for what right. you're doing. So and there there's no little help when that happens. You know <laughs> when your ball when your ball leaves the asteroid, just like oh man, well game's oh. over, guys. Game's Look, over. Sta- standing on a comet, every single fastball that Jacob Degrom throws would go into orbit, or possibly even escape into deep space. Mm. Wow. Okay, that's cool. All right, we got time for one more. Okay, who's next? Ryan mm-hmm. Gerentz. Uh, hi, Dr. Sus, Tyson and Liu. I'm an avid golfer, and one of my favorite things to do is golf at high altitude. So this is an earthbound. Ooh. This is here on Earth. We're back on Earth. Yep, we're Damn, back. We're, we're back. back. All right, but this is a nice little twist. At high altitude in Colorado. The ball goes 10% further and is a ton of fun to hit it as far as the pros do at sea level. I have two questions on this. One, is the ball flying further due to the lower air pressure at higher elevations and therefore less air resistance? Or is it due to the dryness of the air and lack of humidity that gives less resistance? Second part of this question, what is the relationship between ball flight and altitude as you go higher? For instance, if I hit a driver off the top of Mount Everest, could I hit a drive thousands of yards only due to the altitude and not to the fact that the ball flight would be going downhill? Thank you, and can't wait to hear the answer. 
Wow. Great question. Mm, Wonderful no. question. It, it also relates to why like people in the Colorado Rockies baseball team hit more home runs on average. Right? However, I, I will say, if I'm not mistaken, based on what I remember from a previous conversation, yes. when he asked about humidity, yeah. humidity makes air less dense, yes, thereby making the ball go farther. Yes. So it wouldn't... It's so what not you want going, is high altitude and high humidity. And high yeah, humidity. So the drying, the dry air he's talking about is it's not, not an helping impediment, them. but it's not helping them. Yeah, but, but it's, 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 it's an impediment, but it's compensated for by just the right. overall right. lower air density. Right, right. Which right. you're getting at, at a mile right. high. Correct. Do right. you agree with and, all that, Charles? Well, for the most part, yeah. There, there are so many different variations, right? Because the atmosphere is not uniform. And so you hit a gusher or you hit a particular area of high pressure or low pressure. You can do that at any altitude. So generally speaking, you're correct. Um, now, the question about altitude overall is very interesting too, because like if you do hit a golf ball from Mount Everest, can it go thousands of yards? Well, it turns out that the atmospheric density on a planet is exponentially decaying, right? So for example, Exponentially here, reducing when you say decay. Yes, mm, yeah, it's, it's going down. So from here up to say the top of Mauna Kea, which is uh, in Hawaii, right? The big island where there's a lot of telescopes. That's about 4,000 meters. And the atmosphere there is about 60% of what it is here on the surface of the Earth. Uh, now, if you go up another 4,000 meters, that is to the top of Mount Everest, roughly, then it goes down another 60% from there. So it's only about 35, 36% of the density of sea level. So that's why people need oxygen up on Mount Everest, because the atmosphere is about 35% of that surface. But you don't get like linearly going up so that you might be able to hit the ball a thousand yards if you're a really good driver. But I don't know if you can go thousands of yards because the atmosphere just doesn't quite drop that fast. Plus, you can look at uh, what the air resistance is on a golf ball and how much distance it takes off of your shot. That's you just remove that point. air resistance and then you get the full sort of symmetric uh, parabolic shot. So, so I, it's right. not going to go up by factors, right? Right. Dimples on a golf ball actually use atmosphere yeah. to allow it to float for longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. So you may hit some sort of a turning point, right? Where you keep getting longer and longer and longer, but then at some point, the dimples don't do their work as well. Exactly. And you actually start losing the effectiveness and you have, can't hit it quite as far because the atmosphere is too thin. That's right. The, the dimples have nothing to work, to work on. The dimples right. have no... Right. So right. if we had a golf tournament on the moon, the golf ball's design would be different? It well, wouldn't, well, the need, dimples, it wouldn't, wouldn't mean do any good. Exactly. Yeah, the right. dimples yeah, are irrelevant. Yeah, it would mean nothing. So right. There you go. right. And, and, and curving wouldn't matter. Uh, you wouldn't slice a ball. Slicing. You wouldn't hook no a ball. Hooking. The ball would just go straight from wherever you hit it in whatever direction you went. So uh, you can't bend it around a tree. Uh, you can't give it back. Well, you could give it back spin, I guess. Well, well on no, contact that, with the ground, yeah. Yeah, on contact yeah. with the ground. You could give it spin. That's about it. You'd end wow. up playing like a crazy golf, lunar crazy golf. You'd have to hit it off a rock or a surface or, or, or use a crater. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, see, that's A three-cushion pull more, shot. That's right. what that would be. Yep. You know what? That makes sense, though, because it's only going to go straight. So you, if you're shooting it at a target, yep. then wow. what you could do then is figure out the trajectory from the target in order to get where you want to go on the course. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's sick. Billiards golf. So now, awesome. now. Billiard golf. That's what we, we just named it here. It's Gilliards. <laughs> Gilliards. Okay. <laughs> Thank ball. you. And so, so, so we are people who have time on our hands, and then we go and invent stuff like <laughs> Gilliards. <laughs> Guys, we got to take another quick break. When All we right. come back, more crazy sports, cosmic, geeky questions from our yeah. Patreon. Fan base on Star Talk Sports Edition, Cosmic Grab Bag. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS. Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. 
At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. Cosmic Queries Grab Bag with my friend and colleague, Geek in Chief Charles Liu. And of course, Gary and Chuck, we got there. Uh, Charles, how do we find you? What's your social media footprint these days? Ah, uh, I am at Chuck Liu, C H U C K L I U. Uh, my channel is The Luniverse. That's like a podcast. And we're the doing Luniverse. Kinds of I stuff. love I see what yes. you did there. Yeah, I know. I, I thought it was a little bit cheesy, but everyone around me said, no, it's the obvious. I love thing. it. I, yeah. <laughs> cheesy because the moon is made of cheese or what? No. Mm, Something right. like that, yes. Okay. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, L-I-U. so where do we find your podcast? Well, uh, it's on YouTube at the moment, and, okay. and it's going to go to different places all around eventually. But uh, it's a lot of fun. We talk okay. to younger scientists mostly where they're at the cutting edge. Nice. And to find out about them, not just about their science, but them as people. It's Beautiful. Fun. And we keep that, the, that wheel of education turning. Absolutely. Uh, from those Our coming future. up to those. The wheel of education keeps turning. Go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. I do know where we'll be tomorrow, ah. though, Chuck. Ah, well, maybe journey, well to, but I know it's in these wonderful well young scientists. They okay. are great. Our future is secure with these guys. All right, who's next up with the uh, question? Go ahead, Gary. Uh, wouldn't be the same. Wouldn't be. Thank you, Chuck. It wouldn't be the same without Violetta. So Violetta. Oh, Violetta. 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 So is she like thirty years old by now? <laughs> How old is Violetta? <laughs> <laughs> this child's been asking questions. I think she was okay. middle or something. All right, I don't so know. wonderful. Violetta Raw uh, is now fourteen. And uh, yes. goes un- oh. goes under the title of Astrophysicid. Oh, okay. Yes, so, that's awesome. Right, Astrophysicid? Cool. Yeah, yes. That's, that's very so, love cool. it. I so love it. Like, all right. Wonderful. Um, will we ever reach a point in the near future of sports when it will not be physically possible for any more world records to be very broken? Good. If so, which sports do you predict might get to this point first and how far might we be from this happening also, would we even know? I mean, the human body can only be pushed so far, question mark, and I need the science on this. Thank you. You're welcome. And she's a big fan of the show, as I think mm-hmm. we all understand. We had a show on this one time about prosthetics yep. aiding mm-hmm. sports. And right. if, you, if, if you reach the limits of the human body, would people still come out to see the sport mm-hmm. if no one is capable of beating a world record and then we said well you just add add stuff extra stuff <laughs> yeah. you, you do stuff <laughs> and then the for me the best answer to that was in the limit then you're just seeing robots compete right and that's not the same thing as seeing humans Would if it, the human gets all the joints replaced by robot yeah. by robotic uh, assistance so so charles what do you what do you think of that question yeah I agree with that statement. Uh, it all depends on the rules of each game, right? The uh, rules of each sport. Uh, for example, if you're playing a sport today, uh, you're allowed to wear certain kinds of equipment. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to use certain kinds of tools, but you are not allowed to use certain other kinds. You know, if you have a bat, for example, you're swinging a baseball with, you can use a wooden bat, but you can't use an aluminum bat, right? You can have some pine tar on it, but only a certain amount of it. Depending on the rules of the game, if the rules keep changing, then world records will be able to be set without limit. Provided they're changing in the favor of performance. Yes, Yes. that's right. Like we were just saying earlier, as javelins get heavier, there's only so far you can throw them, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So it really depends on that. So as far as humans are concerned, I, I feel like weightlifting is one of the most important ways that we can measure the limits of humanity. Right. What are weightlifters, 
weightlifters allowed to do? What are they allowed to use? What techniques? You know, the chalk, the the grip, mm. the um, the gloves, uh, the the body has a limit. And then people will push the body by adding different kinds of training regimens. Perhaps if they wish not to follow the rules, they might add certain chemicals, but then those chemicals are banned or not banned. So it really depends on how much and what you are allowed to do that will determine the limits. But I'm pretty sure that at some point, weightlifting is going to be limited. Okay. Unless you allow so robots. Is weightlifting going to be the first one that we're going to see this limit? In my opinion, that it, right off the top of my head, I think weightlifting will be. Yeah, but you know, when you think about it, the first speed, one. our physiology, there is mm. a speed limit for us as human beings. So it's the same as in, you know, you're looking at strength. It's like our muscles can only do so much. And then, of course, if you were able to exceed it, then there's like immediate ramifications for doing so uh, in the body. So that's another, you know, right. so... Uh, you know, I'm looking at something like a microchip that might be able to perhaps increase like either the response times between your twitch, but then allow you to exceed that and not actually suffer suffer damage. damage. Yeah. Like those type of things can right. also, you know, make us go past our speed limit. Right. So the, the, again, other thing yeah, is, the other thing, yeah. Charles, we had Usain Bolt come along and destroy a 100 meters world record, right? <laughs> now... That caught everybody by surprise. What's to say someone with a very different body shape to the classic sprinter shape comes along and destroys Usain Bolt's records? What then? Define destroy, though, Gary. I mean, it's only a by second. a few tenths of a second. I was going to get there. So, yeah. just to be clear, people, I, I think I first saw, I first noticed this in swimming, where they have touch pads that records your arrival time at the end of the race. Mm -hmm. It might be that the future of world records is in the next decimal place so that we, we peg ourselves at, at some number of minutes or seconds and then tenths of a second. Then you go to hundredths, then maybe thousands, and then tenths of thousands. And the whole contest might be contested in that added decimal place that we need mm. in order to see what the world record would be. When my father ran track, it was four people at the finish line with a manual stopwatch, yeah. and they would <laughs> click it when they saw the, the sorry, it's three people for each uh, lane, and they would throw out the high and the low, and they'd use the middle score, and they're reading tenths of a second. So to, the, the, you would know Usain Bolt would win, but you wouldn't be able to measure how much he won. So it's accuracy of time key. Yeah. How you measure right. it. So the other, the, the other thing here is, you swimming and use the 100-meter sprint, it's not the fact that you run the time. Then you now change a metric of saying, I did it with less strides, I did it with less strokes. Um, if it's a high jump, I took less steps to get to my jump and then clear the bar. That means I would... So you, if, if we're getting a, a, a stale part of world record and it's not being broken, do we look at other parts of the event to look to see as that as categories of judgment, and then I broke the world record with only so many strides in the 100 meters. Are we looking at maneuvering in that way? You know, I think what's even sure. more interesting than what you just said, Gary, is the fact that when you have people who have a different physiology enter a sport, more mm. people yeah. like that enter the sport. So Usain yes, Bolt is point. this lanky, yes. you know, uh, long-legged. He's not just lanky, he's long-legged. And he doesn't even look like he's trying, but you know, but if you yeah. think about the history of that sport, not a lot of guys looked like Tim. A lot of sprinters were actually short, <laughs> you know. And by the way, yeah. right in this moment, I'm looking at a run of records of the last twelve world records for the hundred meters. And and just to be clear, we say Bolt shattered the record. He beat it by one tenth wow. of a second. That's right. a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot compared to other increments mm -hmm. on the world right. record. Yeah. But in it's, the big picture, yeah. it's still a So what a I'm saying, though, is uh, imagine how many lanky Jamaican kids right now are running <laughs> uh, sprints yep. because of Usain Bolt. Ale imagine how many gangly kids are swimming because of Phelps. Like, totally. I think you, correct. I mean, when you look at basketball, think about the origins of basketball. 
I mean, let's be honest. You look at those old films, it's a bunch of short white guys hanging around and then going for a cigarette <laughs> afterwards, you know? <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and you look at the sport today, I mean, uh, you know, a guy who's 6'2 is considered small. So I... Yeah. There are all manner of body types out there, not all of which were imagined to excel in sports. My father is among them. I'll retell that story right now, where he was in his high school gym class, and they're changing units, and they say, we're now going to go to track and field unit. They pointed my father to my father online and said, uh, Cyril Tyson right there, everyone look at him. He does not have the kind of body that would make a good track and field right. athlete. And he said at age 15, no one is going to tell me what I can't do with my life. Good for him. And he took up track and field from then on, and he became world-class, had the fifth fastest time wow. in the world wow. uh, for his event. Uh, which was the, the, the it, it's not run anymore, but it's the 600-yard uh, run. Yeah. And so, uh, but anyhow, to just body types and things, maybe one body type is good for it. Maybe others don't know they could be good for it because you have other people, other idiots telling you no. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree all around. With Inclusive. Embrace. So, did we, I think we answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Violetta. Sorry, sorry, Violetta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we ran ran away with that one. It's just okay. a testament, you know, yeah, Violetta. Great questions. Here we go. Got one. I got one here, and we're going to throw it into the near future. Okay. Okay. Alejandro Reynoso uh, from Monterrey in Mexico. With the FIFA Football World Cup coming up in Qatar in November and December Ooh. of 2022. Yeah. Right. What? How do we think this will affect the abilities of the player now? <laughs> in 20 okay I mean, playing indoors low right? humidity what what so, what are we talking about um with qatar we're we're blessed because um normally the world cup is a summer event which would be brutal yeah. just to watch the thing take place let alone play didn't they it. move didn't they so move it just for that yes they moved it to november yeah. december so the thing is in in november checking this out they have about an average temperature of 85 degrees Fahrenheit, and a humidity level of average 66%. Um, the heat index, you're going to like this, 91.4% Fahrenheit. But don't forget, all of these heat indexes are measured in the shade with a light right. breeze. So if you're stuck in the direct sunlight, right, and there's no wind, you're going to cook. Now, adding to that... Wait, 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 just to be clear. Wait, in, in midsummer, mm. uh, July in, in Qatar... Mm. It's over 100, it's like 105 degrees average high temperature. Yes. And in, in the month they're going to be playing, what is the average high? 85, uh, 86, oh, so it, right? So it's, it's across November and December. So the thing is, if, you, if you're in direct sunlight and you actually happen to be exercising, which might be a surprise for a footballer in the World Cup, you can add another 15 degrees Fahrenheit to the heat index. So the heat index is going to be about 106 for an athlete in the World Cup. Now, if you drag it into December, the temperatures go down to about 75 degrees Fahrenheit. However, the humidity levels go up to 71% average. So you've got okay. that little kicker coming You lose coming a little in. bit to that. Yeah, yeah okay. so it's either way you, you slice it, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, mm -hmm. Now, these, these heat indexes are based on people who are in the shade, like I say, with a nice breeze. These are footballers that are out in the stadium. The surface temperature on the field will be close to 100 degrees because it just sits and bakes. There's not much breeze to cool the surface. Now, you're in Doha, which is quite a populated urban city, so there's not much chance of a lot of breeze in there. So it's going to be a very, very challenging environment. And I think the teams, the organizers, FIFA, are going to have to look at Hydration breaks during the either yeah. half. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to Allow look take at a break in soccer. There's no breaks you, in they, soccer. <laughs> there never used to be. You were lucky you got half time, and so um, they're gonna take hydration breaks. They're gonna have to look at development of a larger squad, so they'll increase the number of substitutions that take place. And players is, is, is it's so the stadium is open air. Yeah. yeah. Generally, I mean, unless unless they've built some. With Let's roots, hope to God they haven't, because then you know the amount of energy it takes to 
you know, cool a structure like that is ridiculous. Yeah. And part of the reason why it's, you know, untenable to play there in the first place is due to, you know, the warming planet. And like, let's not make things worse mm -hmm. by figuring out how we can cool things off to play, you know. Here's a real uh, 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 suggestion. Don't play sports in the freaking desert. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, Chuck, all those numbers I've just relayed are averages. Now, we've, we've had a bit of a sizzling summer in 2022, yeah. and so has the rest of the world. Um, if there is some kind of heat wave, you can bump those numbers right That's up. Mm -hmm. So it's, wow. it, yeah, so yeah. it's just, let's be mindful of this is a challenging environment. And I'm sure what we'll do is we'll find medical teams from each countries that are participating will have spotters looking at their players. You have some, they'll all have some sort of GPS biometric data, bio data coming back. For hydration them. and everything. Yeah. Oh, as dramatic as soccer players are. We're uh, God oh, help us oh, all. Oh, Just oh, like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> my knee, my knee. Oh, I God, need I'm, a drink. I don't believe oh. I have the vapors. Oh. <laughs> it's my fainting couch. I need my fainting couch. <laughs> hey, dear, it's so terribly warm. So terribly, terribly warm. <laughs> Chuck. You have just you have just made the World Cup so bloody interesting to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got guys. We got to end it there. Oh, this this oh. has been this has been fun, Charles. It's always great to get you back in the house. It um, is great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And good to learn of your podcast. Tell me that the clever name again, Loon. The Luniverse. The Luniverse. The L I Universe. The Lu L I U. The Luniverse, as in Charles Luniverse. Yeah, see, see yeah. what you did there. Well, Very again, cool. I didn't do it. People around me did, but I'll, well, I'll accept it. Uh, we got it. It's all good. It was a good choice. Chuck, Thank always good you. to have you, man. Always a pleasure. Gary, love you, man. Love you too. This has been Star Talk Sports Edition Cosmic Queries Grab Bag. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.